Please come on in, have a seat, and we can get our service started this morning. We want to welcome everyone to our service this morning, especially those that are visiting with us. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, if you would, I'd like to give you a little update on our attempts at uh, helping in the tornado uh, relief efforts. As you know, we had spent about $10,300 prior to the last week in, in different efforts. But because of a special gift from the Van Buren Church of Christ in Kentucky, uh, we were able to do even more. Uh, this week we have sent uh, to the Pontotoc Church of Christ $1,000. They had a couple families in their congregation that uh, had a lot of damage. We've also sent $3,000 to the Adamsville, Tennessee Church of Christ, which had substantial damage in their area, and they are working in relief efforts there. We sent an additional $3,000 to the uh, Rolling Fort Church of Christ as their work continues, and we sent an additional $5,000 to the uh, Amory Church of Christ which means uh, that was $12,000 we sent out last week uh, in efforts to help relieve the suffering of those that have been uh, working in that area. That was because of the generosity of a lot of you and, uh, and that one particular church that helped us in that area. We are so thankful, which it means that this congregation has sent out $22,300 in the last month to try to help relieve uh, some of the suffering of those that have had 
substantial damage in their areas. In addition to that, we've had a group to go down to Amory and work for one day. So thank you for whatever you're doing to, to help in that cause. We come together this morning to worship the Lord. Let's begin our time together in prayer. Our Father, we are so thankful to you for the blessings that you bestow upon us. Father, we're thankful that you are using us as a means to help people that are suffering in this state and also in, in, the, uh, in the Tennessee area. We pray that we will continue to be the kind of people that you want us to be. Be with us in this service. Help us to glorify you in a manner that's pleasing to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Uh, we'll sing uh, the first song today, Light the Fire. It's on your screen. And uh, look through the next screen and we'll begin to sing. Technology is great when it works, as I always say. Let's sing. I stand to praise you.
Let us pray. Most kind and loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to thee that you've allowed us uh, today to come together to worship thee, Father. And we pray, Father, that you would be with each one of us today, that you would open our hearts uh, to your word, that we would apply it to our lives. And we pray, Father, that we've come here today for no other reason but to, to worship thee. And we just pray that everything that's done today will come up as acceptable worship in thy sight. We're so thankful, Father, that we're able to assemble without fear from outside influences because we know that there's places in the world that's it's very hard and we just pray that you would be be with those places and always bless them in, in their efforts along father with us as, as we labor to do thy will we're so thankful for the ability of this congregation that you bless us in such a way to help those that are less fortunate such as been mentioned before, the, the tornado victims, and we just pray, Father, that you would bless those efforts and multiply them. Be with those that are working in, in the areas to, to help those that are, have been affected by the tornadoes, Father. We pray, Father, for those that are, that are sick. We have many of our congregation that are sick and hurting, they're in treatments and surgeries, Father. We just pray that you would just be with each one of them and, and touch them and help them in, in any way, Father, that, that they need if it's in accordance with our will, Father. We pray, Father, today as uh, we go through the furtherance of our service that you would be with Brother Ken as he proclaims thy word today, Father, that uh, you would be with him and help him to deliver it in a way, Father, that would be pleasing in thy sight and we just pray that you would always bless him, Father, in, in the delivery of his word and in, in his labors here with our congregation, along with those others that labor here, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, Father. We pray that you'd be with our leadership, uh, especially, Father, we ask that you would be with our elders, that you would help them to, in their oversight of the congregation, Father, that you would just bless them and, and help them to lead us in a way, Father, that would be also pleasing in thy sight. We just pray now, Father, that you would go with us through the rest of the service. Just please bless the, bless the service and please help us, Father, to participate in a way that would be pleasing in thy sight. We just pray that, Father, that you would be with us and help us to live our lives so that heaven would be our home someday. Or in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Song of Invitation is also one of those old songs that are not in our books, Will You Come? A uh, song before uh, the scripture reading and the lesson today is a song called Saints Lift Your Voices. It's a song about being encouraged to live the life of a Christian. And this one, unfortunately, might be a new one for some of you, but it's pretty easy. Just follow along. There's about three verses. <clears throat> there is none like him, none can compare. No God can see what the prince is there. 
scripture reading today will be Proverbs 11:19. Proverbs 11:19. I will be reading from the English Standard Version. Whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live, but he who pursues evil will die. Good morning, everyone. Don't you just love that new song we sang? As we were singing it, I thought, Wow, you know, we've had the disasters around us, but we were spared. And so when a need existed, what did this congregation do? They responded. It is like we are soaring on these wings. Yes. And let's just keep doing that. Okay. Now, I don't want you to take your hand and, you know, bend it back and pat yourself on the back. Yeah, we did it. We, we, have, we have taken care of a need. We can just relax. We're not going to do that, are we? No, Ken, we're not because these kinds of needs exist all the time. But what I like about you is that when that need is identified, you just respond What a great congregation of God's people and what a great heart that you have. Thank you to everybody that's contributed funds. Thanks to everybody who sent materials. Some of you did that on your own. And for those who actually got on the bus or took a vehicle and traveled down there to work. So whether we were physically there or we helped monetarily, we all as one body, all of us participated in a great work of relief. And I just, I pray that God will bless every single one of you to the degree that you have participated in this. Just thank you so much. So next Sunday will be the 23rd. And there are several things. One, this is a fifth Sunday month, which means our fifth Sunday is a special contribution Sunday. We're having our special day, however, emphasizing families. This fifth Sunday, though, is actually the collection is allotted toward our mission work. We want to be heavy in missions, don't we? Not just spreading the gospel here. We want to carry it to the whole world. Yes. Is that true? Yes. So I want you to be thinking over the next couple of weeks about how you can participate in that. Let's just fund missions in such an extraordinary way that the mission team is just choking on funds. How can we spend all this money? Wouldn't that be amazing? Yes, it would. I can't wait to choke on all those contributions and to think of the mighty works that can be done. Next Sunday, however, we will emphasize our missions. So I'll be presenting a lesson thinking about our mission potential and sharing with you some things that we're thinking about how we can reach forward in regard to our mission work. Interestingly enough, on that very same Sunday, that Sunday that I'm going to make my plea about missions, following this service over there in my office at 1130, will be a link between us and South Africa. 
wherein we will be conducting the worship service. And not only folks who are in South Africa, but I think there are usually seven other countries that participate in that. Now, here's how that has usually gone. Usually, and I've done this several times, but usually what I'll do, I'll run out of here. I'll go set up in my office. And then when the time comes for the sermon, I'll preach the sermon. And then others from other countries actually led the various parts of the worship. Well, this coming Sunday, we have a tremendous blessing before us. We have been asked to conduct that service. So that means that at 1130, I'm going to need five people. I'm going to need someone who will lead an opening prayer, someone who will lead a closing prayer, someone who will lead a scripture, someone who will kind of give the talk, and generally it's about five minutes for the Lord's Supper. There will be no collection um, because of the logistical problem related there, but the Lord's Supper, the two emblems. And then, hey, if one of you would like to volunteer to preach a 30-minute sermon, I will allow you to do that. And think about that. You will be preaching to folks from all over the world. I just think that's an extraordinary opportunity, don't you? Two of you do, and I appreciate you so much. But don't all of you think that's amazing? Yeah, it's amazing. And Ken, I want to do it. Okay, I, I know that I'm going to get inundated with requests. I, I only have five slots. I know there'll be like 50 of you wanting them. So here's how I'm going to have to do that, just because I know that the response is going to be overwhelming. I'm going to take first come, first served. So you come up, you say, Ken, put me down. I'm going to preach that 30-minute sermon. Okay. Hey, put me down. I'm leading that prayer. Hey, I wanted to do this. Oh, I'm sorry. I've already. Then give me that one. Okay. Now, no, no fisticuffs. Let's don't resort to that. But I know you want to participate. It's an extraordinary opportunity. It will mesh so beautifully with the emphasis that we will already have on missions. So looking very forward to that. So after services this morning, if you'll rush to me, don't run over anybody, but get to me. I'll put your name down and we will conduct a service in South Africa. I'm so glad you're here today. So I want to share with you something that's just extraordinarily simple. It's simple from the standpoint of its message. I mean, it is, it is the message, the message of life and death. But we're going to draw off of this text and really look at some of the inclinations that people have, the, the things that lure us where our attention ought to be and the results of each. You know, every choice you make is going to have consequences. Let's make sure we make the right choices. Now, we're going to pray. I'm going to ask God to help me communicate that in a way that you can accept, at least understand. And then I'm going to pray that God will open your heart up to his message. And if you're, if you're struggling with some things today, if some of these things are painfully true for you, then I hope you'll have the courage today to respond 
either from your seat, maybe it's something you can deal with on your own. I don't know, but if it's something your church family can help you with, we'll take your name to God's throne and we will ask him directly, all of us as one voice, to help you as you're striving for life. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege that this represents coming together on a beautiful first day of the week to worship you in spirit and in truth. And we have been participating in that. And we thank you for the selection of songs and the thought-provoking nature of those. And we, we magnify you today as we were already lifted up in our thoughts, as we were soaring like eagles. And we, we think about the opportunities that we've had to help others, and we've responded to that. Lord, we as a congregation are doing the very best that we can, the, the best that we know to do in order to expand your kingdom, your reach, to glorify you in all of these acts. We take no credit for ourselves, but in the reflection upon those gifts that have been given, we know that you are the great gift giver and it is touching to all of our hearts to know that from the least to the greatest of us, we have been touched to the degree that we could share with our means to help others. And I pray, Lord, that that will not just continue in a monetary way, but that just every single day in our interaction with others, that we will let our light shine and that you'll be glorified in that. I pray, Lord, that you will help me today as a communicator to share with these hearers your message from this text of Scripture. I pray, Father, that you will help us in righteousness to strive for life and not to be people who are in an active pursuit of evil that leads to death. I can't imagine that anybody here even thinks of themselves in that situation, but that certainly is the deceitfulness of sin. So, Father, I pray that as your words unfold today, that you'll help us to make personal examination of ourselves and root out those things that are amiss in us. I pray, Lord, for those who hear your message today, that even if, even if I don't say it in just the right way, that somehow they'll hear it in a way that will benefit them and that they'll be able to take what they've heard and make use of it, to employ it, to cause it, to bring about action. And whether that's personal examination, reflection, or whether that is those few steps up to the front, I pray, Father, that we will all have a mind that there is no shame in admitting that we've done wrong if we are willing to repent of it and to do right. Lord, help all of us in our meditation upon your word that it will transcend just this moment and be acceptable worship to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see a contrast here. You probably saw it as it was read to us. As righteousness leads to life, 
So he who pursues evil, pursues it to his own death. So that's simple, yes? Righteousness is something that leads, and it leads right to life. I don't know about you. I, I want life. When we were driving yesterday, just out of the blue, Anita said to me, what do you think heaven will be like? And, you know, sometimes when I, I'm reading about heaven or I meditate on the idea of heaven, certain images come to mind. But all, all I could think of in that moment to say to her was that when, when I think of heaven, I just think about the joy freedom from pain and stress. I just think about being with the Lord. Man, that's what I want more than anything. Yeah, I, I, want, I want life now. You know, I want, I want some of those things, happiness and joy. And I want those now, but I also think in terms of how what I'm doing now in this gift of the temporary life, of how that propels my thoughts and, and really my being to eternal life. I think that's what Jesus was talking about when he talked about having life and having it more abundantly, John 10, verse 10. But the other side of that is a little frightening. Yeah, righteousness leads, but he says the person who pursues Evil pursues it to his own death. That is not evil leading us as righteousness would lead us. That is evil out there to which we have given specific attention. And not just that we have given it attention, we are pursuing it. Quite a bit of difference there. That, he says, regardless of how much energy and effort you put put into it, that's going to lead to death. There are consequences to the choices that we make. What is demonstrated in this as a proverb, a wise statement, is, is actually, I think, embodied in other statements in Scripture. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Like in Ephesians chapter 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father, your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Now, isn't that the perfect embodiment of Proverbs 11 and verse 19? If you will live right in obedience to your parents, that's righteousness. If you will live for righteousness, then you'll have a long life. It's going to be right with you. I love it. That's the picture. But how about this from Romans chapter 6 and verse 23? For the wages of sin is death. Well, that's the other half of that proverb, isn't it? If I will pursue righteousness, I will have life. I'll have a long life. I'll have one that's filled with good things. But if I don't, if I choose sin, if I choose evil, 
then the direct payment for that sin, that evil, is, is death. At the heart of these Proverbs is the idea of wisdom. Everything that we do, the book of Proverbs asserts, ought to be directed as a response to wisdom. If I respond positively to wisdom, to the instruction of God, if I will employ that, then good's going to happen. And then our end result, life. If I choose rather to turn my back on wisdom, maybe choose my own path, choose evil, choose sin, then it's going to be death. It is, it is a simple truth that runs from cover to cover in the scriptures. In fact, in this very same text near about, Proverbs 1 and verse 33 reminds us that if we'll just pursue that wisdom, then we won't have to fear evil. So let's just get it straight as we embark upon our simple study today. Righteousness, that is going to lead to a long and a happy life. But evil and its pursuit, evil pursuits are going to result in death and then judgment. And that is going to come, it's going to come sooner than later. All right, let's set it up just like the text did. Righteousness leads to life. Righteousness leads to life. I, I just want to, want to describe something for us for a minute. Righteousness that's being discussed right here, this, this is at its very basic nature. So what I'm going to assert to you is that this isn't, oh, how do I say it? It's not fake. It's not pretend righteousness. I say, well, I go to church. I do this, I do that. Okay, peace. <laughs> but is it genuine? What I mean by that is, okay, so walk with me. What we've, say, participated in our worship here, and maybe we were vigorous in it. We walk out of here, we get home. Let's take it to the end of the day, because that's usually when we reflect. I do. End of the day, kind of got the church clothes off. I am myself, and I look in that mirror. Now, that moment right there, who do you see? Or, or let, me, let me put it this way, because sometimes we don't even want to be that personal. What do you see? When you look at that person in the mirror, you know everything about them. You know every thought that they have, every single thing that they have done that has been, maybe it's been done without anybody else knowing it. Maybe even the closest people in your life have no idea about what you know as you are looking at that person. Now, in that moment, I want you to ask that person that's in the mirror that you have in your mind right now, 
Is that person right there righteous? Is that person that's looking directly eye to eye with you, that person knows everything about you, maybe even that person you have, you've made impersonal. You say, well, that's not me, but it is you. You did that. You thought that. I'm asking you, is, is that person right there righteous? Or are they on a righteous path? Are they striving for righteousness? You may stumble, okay? You've made some mistakes, but is that person in your assessment maybe, maybe all beaten up and bruised, but they are still striving for righteousness? We need to clear that up first. It has got to be genuine righteousness that's going to lead to life. So can we make peace with that person that we know so well? That sense of genuine righteousness also, and, and here's how I'm going to describe it, also ought to be the kind of righteousness or practical, righteous living that is for us like a spiritual reflex. Okay, now, here's what I mean by that. You've got something, maybe it's an, an annual checkup at the doctor, or you're not feeling well, they're trying to run some diagnostics. You know that time when you sit up on the table there, on the, the little bench, and he brings that funny-looking little tomahawk. <laughs> you got that little angle rock in it, and he taps you in various places. And sometimes he'll, he'll tap you right here, the patella tendon, and boop, your leg will kick. You're like, huh, what about that? No, you're already conditioned. You know that that's a physical reflex. You know why it is that Luther broke both of his wrists when he fell off of the roof. It's because he has cat-like reflexes. Cat all, cats always land on their feet, right? Well, it's a natural reflex. We're going to protect ourselves. So we put our hands down. That's how he landed. A natural response to something. You didn't even have to think about it. It just happened. Okay? You have spiritual reflexes too. Things happen to you. And without even thinking about it, you respond in a certain way. When we talk about genuine righteousness, we're not just talking about the person I know in the mirror, but how about when the rubber meets the road? How about when that moment arrives when I haven't prepared for it, I haven't been thinking about it, it just hits me. How do I respond in that? Do I go back to my just basic human nature and I lash out or I have the worst possible response or has my heart been so conditioned by the things of God that instead of responding in a natural human way, I respond in, in what, for lack of a better term, I would, I would call a very godly way. I didn't even think about it. I just responded in a godly, Jesus-like way. That is the kind of righteousness that will lead to life. Now, Ken, how in the world am I going to get myself conditioned so that when circumstances present themselves, that I always act right? It isn't by saying, wait, stop. 
Now, I need to think about this for a minute before I respond. Now, that might be a good practice for a lot of us, but sometimes we don't have that option. Maybe it's something a little different. Maybe it's like what Ezra had done for himself. In order to, in order to embolden or to strengthen his spiritual reflex, he did something to his heart. He prepared his heart. How do I do that? Well, Ezra 7 verse 10, Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. That first part right there, he prepared his heart to do what? To seek the law of the Lord and then to do it. Not just to learn what I ought to do, but to get into the practice of doing it. If you play tennis or some sport, if you shoot basketball, if you're a terrible free throw shooter, the remedy for that is to shoot thousands and thousands and thousands of free throws in order to condition yourself with what's called muscle memory. That way, when you have the basketball and all the distractions around, you really won't even have to think about it. You'll just grab the ball. You'll put yourself naturally in the spot that you have practiced thousands and thousands of times before, and you'll shoot the ball and it'll go right in the goal. Or certainly you will have the best opportunity to hit the goal. Spiritually, how am I going to deal with those things that come? Well, it's going to be because you have conditioned your heart. Your heart is already conditioned to respond in the best possible way. How? By seeking the law of the Lord and then doing it, practicing it. In Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What it is not saying is, Lord, I'm going to go my own way and then I'm going to carry the word of God around with me and hopefully enlighten some of the choices that I'm making. That is not what that text is telling us. The light is from the Word of God. The light is showing us the path. We follow after that just as the righteous are following in lockstep with what is leading them to life. In Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23, O Lord, the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. We don't know where we're going. We're just floundering about. We need your instruction. I need to write your word on my heart. I need to seek after it. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I can have it all if I will fill myself with the Word of God. So seek it, but then, then do it. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. 
Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, Romans chapter 12 is a chapter that deals with the application of true righteousness, genuine righteousness. And beginning here at verse 9 and going all the way through verse 21, he just gives us example after example after example. Now, here's, not, here's what he is not doing.